What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. What's up, everybody? Nominations for the Reader's 2023 Best of Chicago close on Tuesday. So make sure you nominate CityCast Chicago as Best Podcast and Hey Chicago as Best Email Newsletter. You can check the show notes for a link and find us under the City Life category. You know, this means a lot to us. We're trying to get that 3P over in podcast land. So thank you for taking time. Today on CityCast Chicago, Mayor Brandon Johnson is in D.C. demanding federal aid to help asylum seekers. The city's save-a-lot grocery stores continue to frustrate communities. And yes, Christmas music is already playing 24-7. We're here with Crane Chicago, Lee John Greco, and Block Club Chicago's Otavia Reed. It's Friday, November 3rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Morning, Natavia. Morning, Lee. How y'all feeling? Hey, good morning. Doing great today. How are you? I ain't out here complaining. <laughs> I appreciate y'all being here. Before we jump into the conversation, right, we just got out of Halloween. And I want to ask y'all, what's the best costume you saw this Halloween? Whether it was a party, whether it was a parade, something you saw in your neighborhood when the trick-or-treaters was coming through. Lee, I'm going to start with you. What was the best costume you saw this season? Oh, yeah. Well, I live over in Roscoe Village, so there's lots of kids in my neighborhood, uh, tons of kids over on Southport. But uh, I had a laugh the other night because I looked out my window and there were three inflatable chickens um, <laughs> walking down the street. And it just looked so funny, you know, with the weather and everything. They're just all waddling uh-huh. along. They kind of had their parents or somebody with them shepherding them. So, yeah, that was just great. Gotta love it. I hope they were warm inside that, too. <laughs> Now, three chickens, uh, inflatable costumes. I've seen a few inflatable costumes more over the year, especially the ones with people pretending to like get get nabbed by like an alien or something. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. They're crazy. They're not great, though. If you go to a party, my friend went as a T-Rex one time. So if you are planning on like drinking that night or, or eating or really doing anything where you're putting something in your mouth, you can't do that because you're. You're stuck. Yeah, so. going to the bathroom ain't, ain't gonna be ain't, ain't gonna be easy for that one. Octavia, what's the best costume you saw during Halloween this year? See, this one's tricky for me because I was expecting to see so many Barbies and Kens, and I feel like no one did it. I don't know what happened or <laughs> oh, what I went saw, wrong. Like I saw like, Barbie. Really? I saw a couple. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I was like keeping an eye out on the south side, but I saw a full decked out like Mandalorian type costume, and someone had like their their lightsaber and like a little baby like Yoda type plush on their shoulder, and I was like, wow! Like I I wish I was you. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. The 
Halloween costume. Uh, I got to give a shout out to two because one on like a Sith Lord joint. My brother <laughs> did this really cool, um, like uh, Dark Lord costume this year. That was cool. But I saw someone do uh, the the sort of viral sensation Venom, where they turn their arm into like a version of Venom from Spider Man, but they had their other arm, like their real arm, like in their in in, in the Venom, and then they had like the fake arm in their pocket. So it, oh, it was. It was so dope seeing it in person. They was like pretending to like grab people. Uh, it was amazing to see. It Wild. was it was actually dope as hell to see in person. Um, so yeah, Halloween's gone. We're gonna be talking about a lot of uh, Christmas. We're just gonna be skipping over Thanksgiving in today's <laughs> conversation. Uh, but before we get into that, we got some big stories from across the city of Chicago this week. Uh, and Lee, I want to start with you. Obviously, for the last, what, 14, 15 months, Chicago has seen almost 20,000 migrants, largely Venezuelan. And while the city has put forth hundreds of millions of dollars and asked the state for millions more, uh, they've really been asking the federal government to chip in. And this week, uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson is, uh, you know, doubling down on that yet again. Can you catch us up on where Brandon Johnson went this week? Yeah, sure. So uh, today, Thursday, uh, Brandon Johnson is in D.C. He and four other mayors just uh, sent a letter to President Biden. So it was obviously Johnson, then mayors of New York, Denver, Houston and L.A. Um, and they're all making the same ask, which is we need more federal help in terms of money. Uh, all five of them asked for a total of five billion dollars to compensate for what they have already spent. Um, you know, these migrants uh, first started arriving here last August. They are coming mostly from Venezuela. Uh, but then we also have people coming from uh, Ecuador, Colombia, and more and more people coming from Haiti as well. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind, too. Um, but basically, you know, all of these cities are saying that there's no possible way that we can handle this with municipal budgets. In the case of Chicago, uh, Pritzker and um, lawmakers in Springfield have basically told them, hey, there's no more money left in the state piggy bank. Um, we're not going to give you anything in the fall veto session, uh, which ends next week. Um, and for what it's worth, both Pritzker and Johnson have said, this is really a federal government problem. You know, the federal government handles the border, so they should be the one picking up the tab on this. Um, now, of course, you know, there's a couple of issues with that. Uh, the federal government narrowly avoided a shutdown. Um, and now that deadline is extended to mid-November. Um, doesn't look so far like there's going to be another shutdown. But, you know, with the way the dysfunction is going in Congress, it really seems kind of shaky to rely on federal funding. Um, but they're still making that ask. And they're also asking for help on these work authorizations, too. Yeah, I mean, in the meantime, in between time, if that money isn't coming from the federal government, isn't coming from the state, you know, what what are our alternatives here? One of the areas that the city now seems to be looking at is, uh, you know, Chicago's corporate philanthropy uh, and their other philanthropists. Uh, I was covering the City Club uh, uh, event earlier this week, and Beatrice Ponce de Leon, who's the deputy mayor of immigration, uh, basically asked the room, which includes some of those folks, um, and said, we're reaching out to philanthropists and corporate philanthropy and asking them for help. And I also asked her this, are you doing this because, you know, state funding and federal funding doesn't look like it's coming? Like, are you using this to fill in those gaps? And she said, you know, we're looking at it 
to fill in those gaps um, and also help with, you know, some of these mutual aid organizations, um, which, you know, the mutual aid folks are just kind of like mostly regular folks like us. You know, they're kind of cobbling together clothes and food and just doing what they can. Um, so they want to use some of the money for that. But yeah, it looks like now they're turning to private donors in lieu of, you know, federal money, which doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. Yeah. This week, all of this felt, I mean, it's, it's been urgent the entire time, but as that weather starts to turn uh, and, and more and more people arrive, it's clear the pipeline to get people from housing into stable jobs, into their own housing, you know, getting citizen. It, it's a long and cumbersome process. But, you know, finding, like you said, Octavia, a way for them to work together uh, to solve this, at least in the short term, um, is going to be critical over the next few weeks. Um you know, let, let's stay in our communities. We've been talking about grocery stores on this this show a lot as people across the city have have seen uh, grocery stores shutter in their neighborhoods, close immediately. Uh, and one company thought to step in uh, to to provide help was Yellow Banana, which received twenty seven, nearly twenty seven million dollars from the city. Uh, Otavio, what are we hearing from community members now that expectations of multiple stores improving uh, has been set? Yeah, so something I kind of want to clarify too is that the city approved about, you know, over $13 million for Yellow Banana, and they also received an additional $13 million in private funding, new market tax credits. Um, and when neighbors found out that happened, they thought that a change would begin to occur in their communities. Save a Lot is historically known as a company, a store that's not very clean, that doesn't have the best produce, that does not keep their shelves stocked. So when this company entered, it was like, okay, maybe we'll start to see a new day. We'll have an affordable quality grocery store in our community. But even though Yellow Banana doesn't quite have that city funding quite yet, they have set the expectation that they are going to start delivering in these communities. They promised they're going to renovate the stores, that they're going to have them open time and time again. And when neighbors have seen is that they continue to miss those deadlines. And on top of that, they're also not being transparent with neighbors. Um, you have Alderman Ronnie Mosley in his community. He said he's been trying to work with Yellow Banana to figure out, hey, when is this grocery store on uh, Halstead going to actually open? And they have not been communicating with him. And Auburn Gresham, Carlos Nelson with the Greater Auburn Gresham Development Corporation has been able to interact with Yellow Banana. But, you know, even now he's hearing like, OK, this is being delayed again and again and again. And while he's trying to wait to see what happens and he's very optimistic because they have been partnering with him, it's just kind of frustrating the neighbors to see that, you know, again, they have another company coming into their community and not living up to their promises. For a company so publicly to get this financing or, or to get promised this financing and, and to make promises in, you know, Gresham and Pullman and Garfield Park and Washington Park, uh, it, it really feels that, you know, community members were gaslit out of their protest at the very beginning when they said we don't trust, you know, the Save a Lot brand at you know, period. And and we don't believe that, you know, this organization is, is going to, you know, to make these much needed improvements. When you, when you talk to community members, you know, how are they feeling about the, the city's response? Yeah, that's a great point. So I spoke with Princess Shaw, who's the founder of Light Up Lawndale, and she's been advocating for a better store in West Garfield Park, where their Save a Lot had a rat infestation and had to close. And it's currently closed right now, while Yellow Banana says they might do renovations sometime in the near future. And they said that, you 
you know, yellow banana enter the South and West sides as if they were a raft to someone drowning, when really they should have been entering the community as an active partner, as someone who wanted to work alongside neighbors so that they could receive the things that they need and that they desire. Um, I think the problem right now is that they're not <laughs> living up to that and they haven't been for a while now. So community members are wondering where to turn. Do we turn Yellow Banana that hasn't been transparent? Do we look towards the city who you know, is also checking their watches and checking their notes to see what Yellow Banana is doing? I think there's just been a lot of, um, yeah, there, there hasn't been a lot of communication and it's, it's been an issue. I mean, I, I understand that they rarely talk to people, but had they put out any statements in, in response to this? No. <laughs> and I think that that's been kind of a, a problem as well. Um, reaching them is very difficult. I will say in Auburn Gresham, you know, initially they, they, they held a community meeting there where they brought everyone and they said, we're going to have a reimagined save a lot here, which neighbors were very excited about. And in, in other communities, they've been trying to give Yellow Banana a chance. They want to see a quality grocery store. They want to see a company actually make a difference. But they weren't transparent that, OK, we're actually going to miss the deadline of opening in July and said it's going to be October. They did not meet that deadline. They didn't say that to neighbors either. Uh, the same thing kind of happened in Alderman Ronnie Mosley's ward where they said we're going to close that store and we're going to begin renovations by the end of August. They didn't do that. So he has to reach out and find out what's going on. So there's just this gap in communication that neighbors have seen time and time again. And while they from what I've heard, while they want to see a difference and they want to keep their hopes up and they want to see a company actually say, you know, fulfill the promises of what they say they're going to do. It's hard to keep that trust and to keep that hope afloat. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Lee, we are smack in the middle of budget season uh, with Mayor Brandon Johnson hoping to get it passed by, you know, the the, the end of the year. Uh, and he, he got a, a, a signature endorsement this week. Can you fill us in? Yeah, so this is a big deal uh, for Brandon Johnson because it comes from the Civic Federation. So they're kind of known as the tax watchdog of Chicago. They're an independent fiscal analysis group. And they're backed by local business leaders. Um, so it's really important that they uh, kind of applauded his budget overall um, because Brandon Johnson um, has not really uh, created a very strong relationship with the business community so far. But 
That being said, even though the Civic Federation said, hey, it's a really good thing that the budget um, has these supplemental pension contributions, uh, that there were no new taxes, uh, and that he moved civilians into uh, these administrative positions within the Chicago Police Department. Um, so they applauded that, but then they also said, uh, you guys really have to figure out a different way to A, fund this migrant crisis, which we touched on before, um, or rather the response to it, um, and B, fund these pensions. Um, so on the pension side, uh, it's a little bit shaky because there are two bills in the General Assembly right now um, that could actually increase uh, pension contributions. So that could really shake up things for Chicago. Um, you know, the way the pensions are funded right now in Chicago is kind of a mix of utility bills and property taxes. Um, but then they're also relying on a lot of this new revenue that is going to come from uh, the new Bally's Casino. So uh, the city's expecting about $35 million in revenue um, in fiscal year 2024. Um, and then they think that that's going to rise to $170 million. So that sounds great. That sounds like hey, pension crisis solved right there, probably. This is just going to keep going up. Civic Federation says, not so fast. Uh, <laughs> City of Chicago, you are, if I may, taking a gamble uh, by relying <laughs> on casinos. Sorry, I had to, guys. Uh, it it can, makes sense. That was wonderful. <laughs> you can put the womp womp trombones in there later if you want. But uh, yeah, you know. Civic Federation is saying that uh, the casino is not the most reliable or at least sustainable source of revenue um, because, you know, right now the casino market is actually pretty saturated. Um, you know, you can go gamble in Chicago, but you can also go head over to Indiana, uh, Michigan if you want. So, you know, it's not like the Bally's is the only game in town. Um, so Civic Federation is saying, hey, you should examine other sources of revenue. They don't say what, but they say you should look at that. Well, we've been in weeks of budget hearings to this point. Uh, they want to pass by Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll see if this endorsement helps them, but they do have until the end of the year. Atavia, I'm going to come back to you. We talked about Save a Lot earlier. Another chain store common uh, in neighborhoods across the city of Chicago, Walgreens, uh, delivered some, you know, unfortunate, uh, but but expected news in Roseland this week. Uh, can you catch folks up? Yeah, I just want to start by saying I know Alderman Ronnie Mosley is tired of seeing my name appear on his phone first to save a lot story and now calling him like, what's going on at Walgreens? I know he's tired of me. Um, but to get into it, um, in June, Walgreens announced that they'd be closing 150 stores nationally. At the time, they did not say which stores would be closing or where. Uh, but in late October, Alderman Ronnie Mosley announced to neighbors on Facebook that the store and Roseland um, across the street actually from where the proposed winterized tents would be is closing. And that is the only Walgreens in the 21st Ward. So now when neighbors need to have their health care needs met, they'll have to go to Calumet City because that's where their files will be transferred. And or they can decide to move it to another Walgreens, say in, in Beverly, you know, in the 19th Ward or in the 9th Ward. But the problem here is that neighbors no longer have a, a Walgreens that they can walk to in their community to pick up their prescriptions, to get quick things they 
they might need. And it's another blow for for Mosley, but also just to the ward, because earlier this year, Walmart closed their super center in the community, which also had a healthcare center in it as well. So now local officials, neighbors, everyone's just wondering what's going on, (laughs) one. Two, why does it just seem like corporations, companies keep abandoning us and not living up to all of the, the promises that they say they're going to fulfill. Yeah. And, and it's at this point, it's, you know, it's a jobs issue. It's a healthcare issue, right? It, it's a retail issue. The, this community is, is told, you know, you know, there's an abandoned grocery store here on the corner. So, so this is where we put the migrant shelter, which we understand we, we don't have a lot of options and we need to put it somewhere. And then they push back and they say, well, but do you see what our community is going through every single day? Because it does. Are you, are you going to invest in those people? Are you going to invest in us? We're seeing all of our stores, all of our jobs, all of our healthcare options disappear one after another. And these these announcements aren't weeks and months in planning that give community members uh, an oppor- even just the, the bare minimum, an opportunity to figure out what they're going to do for their groceries, what they're going to do for their medications, where they're going to work, where they're going to get training. Yeah, you made an amazing point there in mentioning that community members often get told a week, sometimes days in advance that the store is going to close. They do not have time to prepare. There have been times where they've walked down the street, say the Aldi and Auburn Gresham, where there was just a sign saying the store is now closed, where people were given no notice and told to go to a different community to shop. So I think what they're asking from the city, from their local officials right now, is to either strike up a deal to put something in writing where these stores can't abandon the community with such short notice, where they can't can't either receive city funding um, or they, they just have to, uh, some neighbors are even asking for compensation, just something to be done to guarantee that these stores actually stay in their neighborhoods and that they also can't use the same excuses they always do, which is, you know, the sales were bad and or, you know, there were so many robberies at the store, which is a common narrative on the south and west side, but they often don't back that up with percentages or facts. It's just something they throw out there before they close their doors. Walmart, Aldi. Yeah. Save a lot's not reopening. Whole Foods. Yeah. And we just talking about the last year. This last year. Right. Whole Foods was this year. Whole Foods was at the very end of last year. That's a good point. It was November 2022. They closed their doors. So it's yeah, I I think it's just that you don't even have time to recover. That's the thing. You look left and right and there's these abandoned storefronts in the community and they always or a lot of these stores open saying we're going to to be different. That's always the line. And or we're going to work with you in the best way we can. We're not going to be like those people in the past. And it's like no matter what, they just seem to to leave and they do it without letting community members know or without fulfilling the goalposts that they set for neighbors. Every single week we bring in our friends to talk about the hard hitting stories across the city of Chicago. And then we take some time to listen to the good news that is going on in their life, whether it's personal, professional or an event they're excited for. Uh, And, you know, we got to sing it, you know. So this week's some good news. Lee, what is your good news for our CityCast listeners today? 
Oh, my good news is hearing your mellifluous voice, Jacoby. <laughs> sing that, sing that little jingle. That's all I need. Um, speaking of jingles, as you mentioned, Christmas is here. Um, it really felt like it felt like the nightmare before Christmas on Halloween <laughs> because I got off got off the Washington Well stop. And the snow was insane. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'm, you know, walking past City Hall and they were already putting up Chris Kindle Market on Halloween. It was crazy. And it was snowing. Um, And so, yeah, I've been walking by it almost every day when I go to work now and like just see it, keep building, see more Mm -hmm. little houses go up and everything. I mean, if people go to the website, as soon as you sent it to me, I went there and there's just a countdown tracking the hours. The or, or no, the weeks, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds until it opens. I mean, we're two weeks or about two weeks away from Chris Crendel Market opening. Um, we're two weeks from the Millennium Park tree uh, being lit up downtown, uh, and, and so it does feel like we we are already here. I mean, I saw the Mariah Carey video earlier <laughs> this week. I'm coming. I'm coming. She's better than Target. I went in on Halloween because my friend wanted candy, and jokingly, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to get like." tree-shaped candy instead lol because it's so early and literally i had to get tree-shaped candy <laughs> otavia uh i want you to give us your good news you got a two-parter for us uh so hold on uh, some good news <laughs> i gotta hit it at least one more time what's yours this week i do so i have two things so i love film and i love music so i'm like let me bring both of those things in here so the first thing is the black harvest film festival is kicking off and the theme is revolutionary visions and because i can touch on everything there'll be documentaries about black barbies there'll be a documentary about the struggle for black land it's just a a beautiful collection of films playing until november 16th so if you didn't get your daily dose of films at the chicago international film festival you can just keep it rolling this way and then the second thing is 93.9 Light FM is officially starting their Christmas music today. And I know that there are some people who hate Christmas music, but I am not one of them. I have the now, that's what I call Christmas music, 2003 CD. Ooh, CD. CD still. <laughs> and I'm listening to that. I have like the Instinct Christmas album. I like My mom plays like the voice to men, Silent Night, mm-hmm. starting Thanksgiving. So (laughs) I'm excited to have it playing while I'm going anywhere and everywhere. And yeah, I just feel like it's a good way to start getting in the spirit, even though there's no snow on the ground just yet. It it was there for like a for like, you know, six hours and then it got up here. Just as like a little teaser, a little reminder. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm really excited for the Black Harvest Film Fest at the the Genius School. We're going to drop a link in the show notes for people. And I'm not one of those people who who hates Christmas music, but the idea <laughs> that November 3rd, it's like, hey, we're here 24 7 until December 26th. That's a hard commit. Uh, and, and they in it to win it. And shout out to all the people who listening, including you, Otavia. Sh- yeah. Shout out. <laughs> My issue is they play it, not that they play it too early, but that there isn't enough selection. Like nobody hits the deep cuts. Like, where where is Dominic I need, I need the donkey? Favorites. Lee, you know? okay. <laughs> not that's not a favorite. Up, right, I didn't know if he was going. All right, I, I was saying it right <laughs> as she was landing on that one. I was like, maybe not great timing on that. My my, my favorite is actually they never played on the radio. I don't know why, but my dad starts playing it after Thanksgiving. The Robert Goulet Christmas album, fantastic. That's a 
that's a John Greco family favorite. But Otavia, I want to know what your favorite song is and your pick for the film fest. Oh my gosh, it's so hard to choose. See, you just put me on the spot right now. Favorite Christmas song. Oh my god. I, I, I was swerving back that way as well. So she got like, me. oh my gosh. I, I think like a um a favorite of mine that I do not tell people because when I say it, they're like, get out of here. But you know, the grandma got ran over by a reindeer. It Ooh, is so yikes. catchy. That's like the don't tell anyone I'm listening to this. It's what I'm walking down the street listening to. Oh acting God. like it's a new song. It is so catchy. You it is so catchy. You <laughs> oh my God. You're going to get the but Chicago like, bike people after you. Oh my gosh. I was, oh my gosh. I would say don't, don't tell anyone don't tell anyone I'll, on the on the record and i'll put in like the voice of inside of the night i'll put every song on the instinct christmas album don't tell anyone that one <laughs> and for the black harvest film festival i'm really excited to watch the documentary about the black barbie and the creation of that especially since it's been the year of barbie and really getting into that background story and how that came to be before we get out of here, my some good news is I just want to give a huge happy birthday to both my brother, whose birthday is today, uh, my older brother, Josh, uh, and my younger sister, Jessica, whose birthday was on November 1st. Uh, so happy birthday to Missy and Bula. Uh, love both of y'all very much. I don't even know if y'all going to hear this, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make sure y'all listen to this. I'm like, hey, make sure y'all listen to Friday's <laughs> podcast. I give y'all a shout out at the end. I love y'all to death. I love y'all so much. I love y'all so much. Is that, really is that shout out in lieu of gifts, Jacoby? Hell no. My sister <laughs> like money, so I sent my sister money. And my brother wanted the handheld uh, PS5 to to go along with, with that. So I bought him that. So no, hell no. Shout outs, gifts, hugs. My sister was in town over the weekend. Uh, and so, yeah, I love them so much. We're all so close in age. And so uh, can't wait to see them all together on Thanksgiving. Again, a huge thank you from the whole CityCast family to Otavia Reed from Block Club Chicago and to Lee John Greco from Crane Chicago. Thank y'all for making time for us. Thank you. Thanks again. I hope they play the song after this. Right. <laughs> Ain't no bleeping. I hope it's right now. I hope, now I hope the song is going. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as before I let you go, you can catch me out in these streets over the next couple of days. I'll be on your TV tonight on Channel 11. I'm at the Epiphany Center for the Arts for City Civics Day Saturday at noon. And Monday, I'm hosting them off at Lincoln Hall. Of course, I got to thank all of the people who make CityCast Chicago and Hey Chicago. Our lead producer is Simone Alisea. Our producer is Michelle Navarro. Our newsletter editor is the one and only Sydney Madden. Our roving producers this week were A.K. Al Moomin and Lizzie Goldsmith. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, All the Kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. And I want to thank you for listening, for reading. Uh, we'll be back here on Monday morning previewing Chicago's next big corruption trial, a former longtime alderman, Ed Burke. We'll talk to you then. Peace. You're going to have to bleep the grandma got ran over by a reindeer and just let everyone, like, guess. Like, what is she possibly <laughs> saying there? <laughs> that, that's a good pitch for the producers. We, we're going to see if they follow through with that one.